0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. You can uh, open your Bibles over to Romans chapter 1 this morning. We'll get there in a couple of minutes. Romans chapter 1. We're going to finish up this little series that we've been doing on Salt, Light, and Leaven this morning. Uh, We've been in this, I think this is the fourth week, and we're going to finish it up this morning. Basically, what we've been talking about, and these elements, Jesus used these elements as examples to us, both of how his kingdom works and how he is sending us into the world with something on the inside of us to influence and change the world around us. And so, for example, salt is something that carries a specific characteristic. It carries saltiness, right? It carries a flavor. And we use that, we sprinkle that salt onto food in order to flavor the food. And so what is in that salt is transferred into the food. And it tastes different because it has been salted. And, and Jesus says that we believers are the salt of the earth, that he is going to sprinkle us out into every area in the world, into every kind of place and business and family and you know pursuit that you can think of, to release His flavor in the earth. We carry His presence. We carry His anointing. We carry His flavor into the places that we go. The places that you go can be different because you are there. And I've said this several times, but I think it bears repeating. I think one of the problems is we don't have an, enough of an awareness of that. We are we're not going out there. Um, aware of what we're carrying and and expecting things around us to be different, to be better, to be more full of life because of what we're carrying. So salt works that way. Light comes in and, and breaks darkness. We've talked about that for a couple of weeks. Um, Jesus said the kingdom works like leaven where just a little tiny bit of it is put into a batch of dough and it changes the characteristic of the entire Batch of dough and and it mixes in, and so that's a picture of us carrying his kingdom on the inside and going out into wherever you go into whatever job you do or or wherever the people you connect with, whatever you do uh you're you're there to release this uh, release his life, so the key idea in each of those is that. The kingdom is being intentionally introduced into the earth by God through you and I. He is intentionally salting your world with you. He is intentionally uh releasing his influence and in his life uh through you and I. Okay? So when we talk about that, and I, I just you know, this isn't really our subject today, but but when we talk about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, obviously. A kingdom is the place where a king rules. It is the dominion of a king. That's what a kingdom is. And so, when we say that the kingdom resides within you, well, the kingdom of God is the place where God actually rules and where His um, His ways and His principles are actually applied in life. And so, as we are, in, and Annie just set me up really well for this, as as we are living the principles of scripture and coupling that, uh, no way to separate the two, carrying the presence of God, the person of God. We're living in his living instructions. We're walking out his principles. I could go off on a whole thing and I, I don't want to do it today, but there are so many things in the scripture where we can see various principles, but there are even certain things that if you read two different verses, they kind of say opposite things, but they're both true. And so we need the person of the Holy Spirit to tell us, well, which one of those, these are both truths, which one do I apply? And so we need that personal leading of the Holy Spirit in order to know how to apply his principles. But in places where his ways are being followed, life life works better. We, we talked about that some, a uh, couple of weeks ago. So, and I just wanted to remind you of this, and we'll get into some new scriptures this morning, but when at... In Jesus' day, the rabbis used to use this term salt to speak of the release of God's wisdom. And remember that God's wisdom is truth, is truth, what he says is truth. So it is truth being applied in the right way, at the right time, right? Being being released in the, in the right way, being applied in the right way, at the right time, and it will transform whatever it is it's being released into that's God's wisdom and and the common term at that time or or one of the illustrations they would use was they would use the term salt to speak of carrying God's influence carrying God's wisdom into the world so let's go over to Romans chapter 1 i want to i want to talk about uh some things and just sort of wrap this up today and talking about, again, the, the point of this whole teaching is for us to be intentional about what we're doing. For us to recognize that God is doing something through us. And he is doing something through us in the world and and for the world and to the world. And this scripture, Romans chapter 1 verse 16, I've got it from the Amplified Bible here. I think most of the verses I'm going to give you today are from the Amplified Bible. Uh, it says this, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel or the good news of Christ, for it is God's power working unto salvation. It is God's power working unto salvation. That word power comes from that Greek word dunamis. It means intrinsic power, it means inherent power, internal power. It is power that is ready. Um, it, it can mean achieving power, the power to get something done. But it's, it's there, it's, again, it's where we get the word dynamite. So if you take a stick of dynamite, there's power not being released, but carried within that stick of dynamite. So what it's saying is the word of God, the gospel, the truth about who God is, what Jesus has done, the good news of Jesus Christ carries within it power to bring salvation. It, it has, it carries the power within the word within the word of god it carries the power to bring salvation deliverance from eternal death to everyone who believes with a personal trust a confident surrender firm reliance to the jew first and also to the greek all right so so the idea in that verse is paul is trying to give us confidence in the word confidence In the gospel, it is good news. The good news about who God is, about who that he sent his son to die for us. And it is there to bring salvation. And the Amplified brings out that one one part of that is deliverance from eternal death. So meaning we come into relationship with God through the gospel. Our sins are forgiven. We receive Jesus into our lives. And our sins are forgiven. And we come into this great relationship with God. And because of that, we're going to spend eternity with God the Father. We're going to spend eternity with him. We're free from eternal death. But that word salvation, it's so much more, it's it's so much fuller than that. There's so much to it. And when you uh, study out this word in the Greek, it primarily means freedom from every kind of slavery or bondage. Beginning with freedom from the penalty and the dominion of sin. Okay, freedom from any kind of bondage. What would bind you up in your life? What would hold you back? What would keep you down? In your life, there's freedom. There's freedom from any kind of bondage. Freedom from bondage to our old way of thinking. Freedom from any kind of addiction. Freedom from habitual living that is not godly living. There is, a, there is the power in the gospel to, you know, we sing it, to break every chain. Every chain. Whatever might be holding you. Whatever might be pulling you down. There's power in the gospel to break that. All right, And that begins with the forgiveness of sin. And I think a lot of us get that, that when we think of salvation, we think about I've been freed from the penalty of my sin. I no longer, Jesus took the judgment for that sin to the cross and I'm free from the penalty of it and I'm welcomed into God's presence. We get that. But right along with that is freedom from sin's domination. If you read Romans, I'd read 1 through 6. But if you read Romans chapter 6, it talks about the fact that sin no longer has the right to rule in our lives. It and when we if we can get that in our hearts, we will suddenly rise up over whatever sin is trying to stay in our life. It's absolutely true. I've experienced it. Most of you have experienced it. When a revelation of that truth comes, you'll be free from a certain kind of sin but a lot of a lot of people are only taught about you've been forgiven of sin they don't recognize that no i have dominion over sin in jesus christ it cannot it will not rule in my life and you've got to take that stand the devil's not just going to leave you alone you know you you've got to take that stand, and you've got to spend time in that word, spend time meditating in the Word of God, spend time ingesting it, spend time in his presence, spend time for worshiping him as your salvation and your deliverer, your victory banner, you spend time worshiping him over these things, and it'll it'll go off in your heart, and you'll be free. That's a part of salvation. Uh, It's freedom from the inevitable result of living life apart from God, which is what we call spiritual death. It's separation from God. Salvation includes preservation. This word, soteria, it includes the idea of preservation, which is restoring something to its original design. Preservation, keeping it, keeping it clean, keeping it clean. you know, we, we preserve foods so that we can eat them later. We keep them in their, uh, their good condition, right? That's what preservation is. That's a part of the salvation that's inherent. The gospel has the power to bring salvation to anybody. Okay? To the, to the religious person, the Jew, to the secular person, the Greek. The power is there to bring salvation. The idea of within this word of protection and safety from danger, decay, and destruction that's associated with sin, protection and safety, wholeness in every aspect of life—spirit, soul, and body—wholeness is a part of the idea, the concept of our salvation. All right, and then well-being and prosperity spirit, soul, and body, health, productivity, satisfaction with God and with self and with others. That's all a part when we say the the gospel is the power of God to bring salvation to anybody who will believe it. All of that is in that word salvation. All of that, honestly, and more. We could probably take a couple weeks and just study that word and get an awful lot out of it. But the point is, so okay, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for anybody who will believe it. The gospel is not being salted or introduced into the earth to condemn, listen to me. The gospel is not being introduced into the world to condemn the world. It's not being introduced into the world to show how wrong the world is and how right we are. It's not the purpose of the gospel. It's not the purpose of the word of God. Jesus said, and and the example of this is where uh, the disciples came to Jesus and there were there were people who were casting out devils in, in his name, but they weren't part of their group. They weren't part of their disciple clique. And they said, do you want us to call down fire on them? And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. This is a total, that, that is a totally wrong attitude. Do you want us to call down judgment on them? Jesus said, wrong attitude. That's not the reason that the gospel, that God is salting the earth and salting the world with his people. John, in John 3, 16 and 17, most of you probably memorized this verse sometimes, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. The rest of it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world, save the world, related word to salvation, to save the world through him. So we're not being salted into wherever you're being salted to condemn. We are being salted to bring salvation. And that means more than being born again. I mean, people need to be born again. Okay, yeah. But it means more than that. We're there to bring that life, to release that favor, to, you know, uh, to to bring all that God has for people. And his word will do that. The gospel living in us will do that. So God didn't send Jesus into the earth to condemn it, but to save it. And God's not sending the church into the world to condemn it, but to save it, okay? So whatever disagreements we have, and we do have disagreements with the world and the world system and the world's beliefs, we do. Absolutely, I hope. I know I do. I hope you do. But how we live that out and, and the fact that we are sent to serve people, not to just condemn people, not to just go out and try and try and um, put people down, that's, that doesn't do any good for people. We are there to lift them up and to lift them into the same salvation that we have enjoyed. Does that make sense to you? Okay. So go over to 2 Timothy, if you would, with me. Second Timothy chapter three, verses sixteen and seventeen. Again, this talks about the Scripture. It talks about uh, the Word of God. Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. It says every Scripture is God breathed. It's given by His inspiration. Okay, every Scripture is God breathed. It comes from His Spirit. And I will say this, and again, I don't want to confuse anybody and I don't really have time to teach on it, but there are scriptures in the Bible that are, they're all God-breathed, okay? Not everyone, not every scripture in the Bible, though, on its surface contains truth. There is truth somewhere in there, but, and the example I always use is if you want to pull something out of context, you can find scriptures that say that uh, Jesus was demon-possessed, well, that's not true. It is true that that was someone's opinion of him, and there are still people that hold those kinds of opinions today. Think Christianity is just horribly evil. Jesus, you know, is evil or doesn't exist or whatever, you know. Uh, and and so the the point of the scripture is to let us know what the opinion was and how Jesus handled that. So saying that a scripture is God breathed means every scripture came, it was breathed out by the Spirit of God. It is full of life and there is something in it. There is something profitable within every single scripture in the Bible. You go to the book of Job, there are a whole bunch of things that people said about God in the book of Job and said about his ways and how he works and, and how we should view him. God came back at the end of the book and rebuked him for saying that. And yet people will pull those verses out and make a doctrine out of it. It's crazy. But those verses on the surface are not there to say this really is how God is. But they're still God-breathed. They tell us here are viewpoints that people hold of God. Is this making some sense? Okay, close enough. All right. So every scripture is God-breathed, given by his inspiration, and it is profitable. Notice that word, profitable, for instruction, for instruction. For reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline in obedience, and for training in righteousness, in holy living, and in conformity to God's will in thought, purpose, and action, so that the man or woman of God may be complete and proficient. And well fitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, that word profitable, it means extremely valuable. Okay, every scripture is God breathed and is extremely valuable. It is extremely valuable, it's not the end of the definition. It is practically useful, useful in a practical sense, every scripture. There is some use, a practical use. And it is advantageous to the possessor. Okay? Extremely valuable, practically useful, and advantageous to the possessor. Every scripture, the word of God in your life is advantageous to you. It will bring advantage. It will. It has a use. It is extremely valuable. So that needs to be our attitude toward the word of God. This is extremely valuable. This is a treasure. This is something I will protect, I'll guard, I'll cover over. I will desire, I will seek after, I will dig deep to get it. That needs to be our, our attitude toward the word of God. And it says, we'll just, we won't take too much time with this, but it, it says it's, it's profitable for instruction. A lot of times we just need instruction. We need to know how to do something. For reproof and conviction of sin. If the word rises up and convicts you of sin, remember, that's advantageous to you. It's practically useful. That's precious because God doesn't come in to condemn us. He he does come in to convict us so that we can get free from some area, from some sin in our lives, and be free from it and live a healthier life. So conviction of sin, reproof and conviction of sin from God, it's a good thing. Your best friends in the world are people who will tell you the truth. You know, people who will talk to you and tell you the truth. They don't condemn you, but they might bring correction sometime. Those are your best friends in the world. People that just flatter you and, you know, uh, again, social media. People will put something up. And everybody just says, oh, that's wonderful. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's, oh, you're, or, oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, you're, you know, well, okay. But it's, but it's, I mean, it's better than saying, man, are you ugly? You know, I mean, I I get it. But at the same time, it's like, come on. You know, I I mean, I I guess I, I want something more than flattery in my life. I want people who will walk with me, love me, but tell me the truth. Okay, just, Tell me the truth. I I like it. Uh, so, reproof and conviction of sin, correction of error. Sometimes the word comes along and just shows you you're doing that wrong in life, and it's causing problems. You're handling your finances this way; it's causing problems. You know, you're you're eating this food; it's causing your health problems. You don't need to be healed. You need to quit eating that. You know, I, I mean, there are all kinds of things like that. It it will bring correction of error and discipline in obedience. It'll teach us, and by discipline, it's not uh, being beaten up on, it's building a discipline, building a discipline in your life where you do this on the days you feel like it and you do it on the days you don't feel like it. It's a discipline. You do it because it's healthy of obeying God. That's a good thing. The The word will do that for you. It's advantageous to you. Okay, training in righteousness, holy living in conformity to God's will and thought, purpose, and action. We all need to be trained how to do that because none of us, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think any of us grew up living in perfect conformity to God's will and thought, purpose, and action. So we all need training in that. The Word will do that. The Word will do that for you. And so all of this happens so that the man of God, the man or woman of God, May be complete and proficient, complete and proficient that word proficient means skilled, accomplished, experienced, practiced, trained, seasoned, capable, competent, professional God wants you in living in righteousness in living for him, He wants you to be good at it, and he'll train you in that he will he wants you to be complete, not lacking a bunch of stuff, and proficient. Now, that doesn't happen in one day, okay? This is what God does in our lives with his word. And again, why are we talking about that? Because all of this stuff that's being built into you is what you're carrying out as salt and as light and as leaven into the world to give away, to make other people's lives better too, okay? Are you getting that today? That's, you know, what Annie had on her heart for the Offering, it's what I have in my heart for this. This is what the Lord is trying to say to us today. So to be complete and proficient, well-fitted, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every good work. Every kind of good work out there, God is pouring into our lives from his word, from our interaction with him. And so the idea is that we need to come always to the word, whether it's in here or in your own prayer time or whatever, Come to the word expecting. Come expecting. Come expecting that God's going to pour something into you. and it may just be a little nugget. It may just be one thing. We're all doing the layers of onion thing in our lives, but, but whatever He's pouring in, recognize whenever you're quickened in your heart, do you realize this is God saying something to me? This is what God wants. Make it in your at, with your attitude. Say, this is valuable. This is advantageous. This is this is really important and there's practical use in this for me. So don't let go of it. This is why I'm always encouraging you to bring your Bibles, take notes, all that kind of thing. It's so important. All right, so the whole point of all this is God is not sending us, not salting the earth and the world with us to condemn the world, but to bring salvation and life to the world, Right? And here's how advantageous his word and his presence in you is to the people around you. Let's go over to, this is the last verse we're going to look at today, Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. I want to wrap this whole thing up with this. Talks to us about our interaction with the world here. How we should live out there in the world. And it it tells us in Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Again, I have the Amplified Bible up there. Conduct yourself with wisdom. Remember that word? Wisdom. God's word being applied in the right way at the right time. God's word, God's truth being applied. Conduct yourself with wisdom in your interactions with outsiders or non-believers... Make the most of each opportunity, treating it as something precious. Let your speech, and actually that word speech contains both the ideas of your words and your actions. Let your speech at all times be gracious and pleasant and seasoned with salt. So full of the wisdom of God. So that you will know how to answer each one who questions you. Okay, so, so conduct yourself with wisdom. Go out into your life and conduct yourself. You've got to pray in the morning. You've got to pray in the morning. Lord, I want to go out and I want to live in and act in your wisdom. And it's not just for me. It's for people around me. Conduct yourself with wisdom in your interactions with outsiders. Okay, so there are some things that Christians do among non Christians and it's just interesting that you had all this this morning that are uh really stupid <laughs> and and just and and honestly they just drive people away we don't we need to be flavored with Christ, okay we need to be carrying his flavor out, not the world's flavor. We talked about that we don't want to just spend so much time with the world that we just adopt all of their ideas and now we're carrying you know we're we're putting we're putting egg dust on our eggs to try and flavor the eggs, but the salt that used to be salt is now just tastes like eggs, and it doesn't do anything to the eggs. That's how it is when we get so full of the world that we're just carrying their ideas. That's doing nobody any good. But we do need to act with wisdom. We need to act with wisdom in our interactions with outsiders. Now, a lot of people have trouble with just with this idea right here. The scripture says, there are outsiders which means they're insiders. Okay, We don't like that. Our, our culture really doesn't like to. We've got to deal with the fact that there is a difference between being a believer and not being a believer. There are eternal consequences to the choices you make of what you're going to believe. It's true. And, and you being a part of God's family and a part of God's church, that is different. Your life is different from other people. Now, the door is open for everybody to become a believer. The gospel brings salvation to anybody who will accept it, right? So, but there are insiders and outsiders. And if, and if you don't like that, our culture hates that. We want, you know, we want everybody to just be the same. We don't want any inside, outside. The, the point is, we're not supposed to shun and condemn and slam outsiders. That's not wisdom. That's not acting with wisdom or love toward other people. So we're not there to condemn outsiders, but recognizing there are insiders and there are outsiders and they're different. And if you, if you don't like that, then adjust, because that's what the word says. So adjust to it. You know that It is the way it is. There is a different reality between being a Christian and not being, and, and not being a Christian. God loves everybody the same. Everybody. But when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you come into a covenant with Him and you begin to live a different life. He comes to live in you. It's a different thing. That's the way it is. So it doesn't mean God doesn't love other people. It doesn't mean any of that. It's just weird that we even have to say that these days. But at any rate, there are insiders and outsiders. So what He's saying is we need to. We, we need to act with wisdom toward outsiders, not, bring, not shun, not shame, not, not hate outsiders, but recognize we have a duty to reach them and to bring life to them. Okay, this is, this is what God's heart is, all right? You know, this doctrine of universalism that's popping up in the church again, it says everyone is saved because of the cross. Because of what Jesus did, everybody's saved, just some of them don't know that. Okay? Well, that's come up forever. My response to that is, I don't see God as a dictator. I don't see God as someone who's going to force people that want nothing to do with him to spend eternity with him. I don't don't see that in his nature in any way, plus all the scriptures that say God has given us a choice in receiving him or not. Okay? Uh, There's a big movement of and has been for many many years decades of relativism in our society that says all ideas are equal all ideas are just as good there's there's really no absolute truth there's no right and wrong and you know that always that always sounds nice it's kind of like communism it sounds good on paper and then the reality of it is not good at all we had i just read a story by i think it was Bill Johnson somebody i was reading was talking about they took a philosophy class at one time, and they were arguing these kinds of ideas, and, and this one guy was really adamant that there were you know no absolute truths. And you know the response to that and it might be trite, but it's true is always, well, there are, there are no absolute truths, And people will ask him, "Are you absolutely sure that there are no absolute truths?" You know stating that there are no absolute truths isn't absolute. It contradicts itself from the ground up. But this guy uh, was talking about how there's no right and wrong, and he was he was going on about that, and somebody in the class interrupted him, and he got all bent out of shape and said it's wrong for you to interrupt me you know and, and you know and so the whole class just kind of went silent and waited for him to get the peanut that well, why is that wrong toward you, but there is no wrong and there is no right. It's always there's no right and wrong until something offends that person. Then all of a sudden there's all kinds of wrong, right? So so the point is all of these uh, philosophies are out there and the scripture says we need to make the most. We need to inter- interact with wisdom, all right? And we need to make the most of every one of those opportunities. The the older Amplified Bible says, seize the opportunities and buy them up. Invest yourself in opportunities that you have to interact with people in the world and be wise. Think about it. One of the mistakes that I think we make, you know, I come in here and I teach from the Scripture because... Every scripture is God-breathed, and it's advantageous to us, right? And and so we love the scripture. We believe it's the word of God. But most of the people you work with don't believe that, okay? So for us to just quote scripture at them, it's great if you quote scripture at me, and we quote scripture at each other, and we pray the word over each other. That's awesome, inside. But outside, They don't believe that's the word of God. So just quoting scripture, Adam, is not wise. It's simply not wise. What we need to learn to do, we need to know the principles and the values, I guess is probably a good word here, of the scripture well enough that we can relate them without using chapter and verse. And don't talk in King James English either, you know. I have a hard time not doing Amplified, you know, because I'm just sort of that way as a teacher. But, But, you know, just... Learn the principles so that you can have a conversation with a coworker, a family member, whoever. And you can talk to them about values. Most people value mercy. And we value mercy. Our God is a God of mercy. So let's learn how to talk about mercy and talk about how that's been shown in our lives without just quoting verses about mercy. Does that make sense? Most people value um success and satisfaction, whether it's in their relationships or their jobs or whatever, well, God promotes that. And God has principles that go into that. Uh, Loving somebody in such a way that you are thinking of them before yourself. You know, that's how the Bible tells us to love. Well, that's a great, rather than quote the scripture, just be able to talk about that with people and talk about, you know, you're talking with somebody who's having a marriage problem and say, you know, if, if you begin to show her that you love her by thinking of her first, you might see some real different results rather than quoting Philippians chapter two, right? And so, are you getting what I'm saying? You guys are really quiet. So I, that is actually... Um, again, I think it's Bill Johnson, calls that biblical intelligence. You know, just being able to assimilate the word of God into your life and think about and pray about, Lord, how can I communicate that to this person so that their life will be better? I'm not there to try and prove that I'm right. I'm there to release life, to release your flavor into this situation. How can I do that not necessarily quote the scripture. Usually what you have to do is you've got to sit down with the scripture on your own time and meditate those verses and think about how they apply and think about these different situations so that you can go into a situation. You can at least have some idea. You might, you know, You don't want to go in with a script, but you can have some idea of how can I relate this wonderful biblical principle that I know will be a real blessing to them without initially telling them it's from the bible people appreciate love they appreciate mercy they appreciate acceptance they appreciate we appreciate a lot of the same things we're just not always good at communicating them and sometimes our motivations are wrong sometimes we're just trying to prove that we're right and that's not fruitful and so i think especially in the society that we live in um let me just let me just finish this up uh Verse 6 here in in Philippians, or I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 4. We're looking at verse 5. Verse 6 says, Let your speech be gracious, pleasant, and seasoned with salt. The Passion Translation there, I think, is really good. It says, Let every word you speak be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. Drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity, for then you will be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks you about your faith. A respectful answer. That's something that's really being lost in political discourse, in religious discourse, in any of those areas in our life, is respect for one another. To respect someone as a human being, as a valuable person before God, even when we disagree, even when we're on two totally different sides, we need to be able to respect that person because that's the nature of God. It's just the nature of God. It says, let every word be drenched with grace. Grace communicates God's favor and blessing. Grace empowers your speech, but grace communicates God's flavor or flavor, favor and blessing. Truth communicates reality. Okay, truth communicates the truth, all right? And a lot of times we do, we need to be on the side of truth. There are a lot of people in our society that are working real hard to try and find ways to say that, you know, what God has said isn't true. I mean, it's it's just, and they have to, sometimes it's almost comical watching them work so hard to try and undo something. Uh, an example would be the scripture tells us God knew us before creation and before we were in our mother's womb. God knew us, okay? Well, society right now is trying to say that that baby in a womb isn't even a human being, okay? Those are two totally different ideas. Truth is, yeah, it is a human being and therefore has value. The Bible tells us that we need to learn how to communicate it with respect and with life and, and we need to learn how to communicate that. And let me just say this: I've got to, I've got to quit. One thing I've just been aware of lately is that, in our world and in our political world, and is these kinds of discru- discussions, destructions, that works too. We have, and take abortion for an example. Uh, it used to be that only very early term abortions were even being discussed. Okay. And we were arguing about that because we believe life starts at conception. So we were arguing about that. Well, now it's gotten pushed back to late term, to very late term, to the latest is even if the baby is born, it's still okay to kill it. You know, The reason people are pushing, I don't know if this is their reason, but it's the devil's reason, are pushing some of those things to such extremes is it it's like what happens is they push it to this extreme of, yeah, you can actually kill this baby after it's been born. Okay. Well, that's so hideous that we kinda let go of this end. We kinda let go of the first three months, you know, in order to fight this crazy battle over here. And and they and and so then pretty soon, oh, this has been this has been normalized. In our society, and that's the problem. Is not, it's, it's not just about there being sin. Of course, there's sin, but it's the normalization. It's the pushing of normalization of sin. That's the issue. But anyway, so so all of a sudden, well, this is normal. We're not really even arguing about that anymore. I know some of us are, but it's you know we're not even arguing about that. We're arguing clear over here. We need to keep the perspective. We need to understand that truth is truth. You know, either either God knew that that person before that person ever entered the womb, or he didn't, all right? And so any of that perspective, any of that, and then I really have got to shut up, but this is a good example. And then it's like, okay, church, so now what do you do? And they're right about that. They're right about, then are you gonna care for mothers that get themselves in bad situations? Are you going to start to step in? And I know we do. I know we're accused of doing nothing, and that's not true. Nevertheless, it is, it is true. If you care about the subject, what are you doing about the subject? You know, what are you doing to step in and help and bring life, okay? So I just feel like we've got to have a perspective change. If we're going to be good salt and good light and good leaven, we've just got to have a perspective change. We're not going to adopt the ideas of the world, but we need to figure out how to communicate better with the world, and I don't have all the answers to that any more than you do. I, I don't. I don't have those. I just know that it needs to change, and it's something I'm going to pray about personally for my life. And I think it'd be good if you do too. Does that make sense? Oh, that was weird. That was the wrong button. There's a sand dune. All right, let's stand up and pray stand up and pray this morning. Did you get anything out of that, Father? Lord, I I just, as we go out into this world again this week, Father, we want to go to serve people with your life, to serve people with the truth, because we believe that your word is advantageous and profitable for anyone who will receive it, Lord. We believe it brings life into the heart of anyone who will receive it, So, Father, we purpose in our hearts that we will not reject, we will not condemn, but, Lord, we ask you, we need your wisdom. You said if we asked you would give it to us in abundance, and we need it to be able to go out and be the church in our world. And, Father, we know what you have called, you also enable, and I believe you've called us to do and to be salt and light and leaven. And so, Father, we're just asking for your wisdom. And we, we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to say this on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. We're going to be dismissed. Lots of great snacks out there. Hang around. Make some friends. Okay? And then go out there and be the church this week. Okay? One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen.